night to the moms out there. Uh, motherhood, motherhood is sanctifying, but it's so, so sweet. And scripture teaches mothers to, the, to point their children toward Christ by praying for them, by praying with them, by modeling faith, by modeling a character, and by training them in wisdom. I think Melanie and I would agree that our moms taught us that it was not good to be lazy. It was better to demonstrate dignity and honor for the position of being a parent. Our moms were ladies that worked with their hands. Mothers should protect their children even when it would be so much easier to walk away from them. When I became a police officer, it was comforting for me to know that my mom prayed for me and all those officers each night that I worked the street. Our parents, like so many other parents of the era that we grew up, did not have much of an education, but we came to realize in later years that they were much smarter and understood life much better than we gave them credit for. This morning, we want to acknowledge the sacrifice, the pain, the grace, the mercy, the joy, and above all, the love that you have had for your children, the children that God had blessed you with. Also want to acknowledge all the aunts and siblings and relatives, grandmothers and volunteers that have stepped into the parenting role of our children. So this morning we say thank you. And that's not enough, I know. But know that God loves you. And I hope in the message this morning that you hear how much he cares about you. And not just mothers, but women everywhere. In this certain and chaotic world where every foundation of a godly home, as we know it, seems to be yielding to unbelief and to selfishness and immorality, there's a great need to consider the role of women, including motherhood. Abraham Lincoln said that he was and hoped, uh, he said that all he was and hoped to be, he owed to his angel mother. The Bible teaches that a mother is crucial to the family. The family, in the historical sense, is distinctively a God institution based on love of one man for one woman, symbolizing Christ's love for his bride, the church. Today, due to so many different situations, the definition of family has been stretched, distorted, and even destroyed. May we remember those joyous moments we've had with our children and hang on to them forever. Continue to remember God's word about honoring our parents. I say that to the kiddos. Let us continue to love and nurture our children. We get an opportunity to live out the fifth chapter of Ephesians, beginning in the 15th verse, where we read, Be very careful, then, how you live not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You know, some of you get an opportunity to be grandparents or grandmothers. And some of us as grandparents, in the back of our mind, although we may not say this, think, ha, it's payback time now. But you know what? You should continue to nurture, encourage, guide, love, and protect that new mom. 
as you know, she has a difficult job. And I say that to the dads too, for the fathers. During this time is horribly, horribly difficult. The nation is in a desperate need of mothers that will follow Christ. More Christ-following parents will result in fewer delinquencies, less ungodliness, better morality, fewer kids that are struggling whether or not they're a human or some animal, less drug usage, and even broken homes. Our children have value, value to God. To parents, we owe it to our children to accept Christ as their personal Savior. But before we can get them to accept Christ as our personal Savior, we must first accept him as our personal Savior. And not only just to accept him, but we must experience him. We cannot measure the influence godly parents have on their children or even on the children of other families that our kids come in contact with. You see, in godly families, it permeates truth, honesty, trust, unity, and most of all, love. One of the most difficult jobs in the world is bringing up a family in love, mercy, grace, and forgiveness during difficult times. It's more difficult for single parents. All the chaos, lies, confusions, pressure from not just friends of the enemy, but also from advertisements and social media, it adds to the difficulty of child rearing. The answer to this difficulty is to spend time praying for your children, for your family. It's also important to spend time with your children and your family. Proverbs 22.6 reads, Start children off in the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn away from it. Our first and foremost jobs as a mother and a father is to train the children to know ultimately and to ultimately experience Jesus. After that, everything in life falls into place as God guides their steps. They will not be guided perfectly. They will not be guided without need for correction. But that's the way God has guided each and every one of us. When we step out of line, he corrects us, but he corrects us with love and grace and mercy. We should do the same for our children. Again, the parents need to first know Jesus as their Savior before they can bring their kids to knowing I want to move off motherhood just real briefly and speak to all women and what God says about your role and the importance that you have to him in that role. We should always honor the dignity and sanctity of womanhood. In many parts of the world, a woman is still considered almost as a beast of burden. And it was Christ who elevated womanhood. There's a distinct difference between men and women from the beginning of the Bible. Men and women are created differently by God. He gave us different roles in the family. However, God created each of us in his own image with responsibilities of populating this earth and ruling, ruling over it. Throughout most of history, women were treated as second-class citizens. Even in the time that Jesus lived, Roman law did not consider women as citizens, and therefore they had no legal rights. In the Greek culture, women were marginalized. In many other cultures, they were considered dangerous. Men could commit adultery without reprimand, while women were punished even into death 
women were also considered property. And you know the sad part is that's even true today in some nations. So how does God see women? Well, as I said earlier, he created them in his image. Man and woman are created in the likeness of God. He stamped his image upon them both. Women have the same opportunity to know and experience God as men. God is far from an oppressor. He is holy, a holy, holy heavenly father who loves all his children. The Bible is full of stories of women who have contributed to making this world and in our history contributing to making this nation a better place to live and a closer place to God's kingdom. After the passing of Israel through the Red Sea, it was Miriam who led the women in rejoice, saying, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Ruth put God first and as a result became an ancestor to King David. The royal Esther took her life in her hands to plead for a doomed people. In Luke 7, 38, a woman's thankfulness caused her to wash the master's feet with his tears and dry them with her hair. Mary Magdalene, bringing spices to anoint him, was the first to greet a risen Lord and receive the first commission where he said, Go and tell the disciples. We can mention many others who have been followers of God, and those names are all recorded in Holy Scripture. But I want to park on the 31st chapter of Proverbs, beginning with the 10th verse. So grab your Bibles like your life depends upon it, because it does. And bear with me as we go all the way to the, through the end of this chapter. Again, Proverbs 31, beginning in the 10th verse. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable, profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. She has that outreach and mission that we all should have. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes covering in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity she can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also as he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, 
but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. The book of Proverbs has a lot to say about women. And some people have mistaken that the idol, the ideal woman in the Bible is entirely domestic. That is not so. She is an excellent wife and mother. She is also a manufacturer, an importer, a manager, a realtor, a farmer, a seamstress, a poster, and a merchant. Her strength and dignity do not come from her achievements. They come from God. Her attractiveness comes from her character. Her spiritual maturity is her beauty. You see, the woman described in this chapter has outstanding abilities. Her family's social position is high. She prepares for the winter or for those lean times. The heart of her husband that is referred to in this passage refers to his mind and inner self more than just emotions. He trusts her. He trusts her tenacity. He trusts her knowing that she will follow through on her commitments. And in her strength, which comes from God, he depends upon her. In addition, she has a healthy and respectful fear of God. She is all female, created by God. God did not make a mistake when he made her female. You know, in this day and age, so often we see women that have stepped up into the role that has been abdicated by men. And in some sense, we applaud you for filling in that gap. But I'd like to make a suggestion. Pray for your husband. Pray for your sons. That they will know the role that God has for them. And then love them as Scripture tells you to love them. And respect them as Scripture tells you to respect them. And then know that God has not made a mistake by making you female. I say that to the guys too. God has not made a mistake that he made you a guy. And it's horrible the things that we are going through now based solely on feeling. You see, God cares about the hearts of women. He hears their cries and answers their prayers. When a woman named Hagar felt mistreated, an angel of the Lord met her in the wilderness and encouraged her. She then said, you are a God of seeing. Another woman, Leah, felt rejected and unloved, and God listened to her and gave her sons. God also blessed Hannah with a son after she fought through depression of infertility. We witnessed that last Sunday right here. You see, the God that is a God in the Bible is the same God today, doing the same kind of things that he did in the Bible. God has used women to carry out his divine plan. The list goes on without saying, but remember it was Moses' sister that helped protect her baby brother after Pharaoh ordered all the Hebrew baby boys to be thrown into the Nile. Rahab, a prostitute, protected the Israelites as they were spying in Jericho. Deborah was a prophet and a judge over Israel for four decades. And of course, the Virgin Mary was obedient to God and favored by God 
to bear his son. Jesus always uplifted the oppressed and validated women. Jesus repeatedly showed how God was sensitive to their hearts and to their hurts and to their fears, and he comforts and loves them wholeheartedly. He spent time with Mary and Martha. He spoke with a woman at the well, a Samaritan woman at the well who just baffled the disciples that he was even talking to a woman, much less a Samaritan woman, believing that, Rabbi, you must be hungry because you're, we're not sure that you know what you're doing. Jesus also pointed out the widow who gave two small copper coins as all she had blessing her over a large contribution of the rich. Jesus honored men, um, honored women and made them an important part of his ministry. That was in complete contrast to society during the day that he was walking on this earth. Women are to be respected in the modern-day church as children of God. In the second chapter of Acts, it was men and women who gathered together as, they heard, as we heard last Sunday, women have had to step up, as I said before, into some of the roles that God wants for men. But God wants you to be mothers first. God wants you to be the women that he calls you to be in Scripture. You know, the sad part seems for many, many years now, it's been the moms, the grandmothers, the aunts, the siblings that take their children to church. I can remember, and I've probably shared this story before, as I was young, my mom took us to church every Sunday. My dad worked nights, and so he was just coming in from work on Sunday mornings. My mom had a rule, if you didn't go to church on Sunday, you couldn't go outside and play. And I'll never forget, there was a day much like this day right now with rain coming down as I woke up and told my mom I just didn't feel good. I didn't want to, I couldn't go to church. She said, okay, but remember, no playing outside. My mom and my brother were probably no more than 10 minutes away from our house when the sun came out and it didn't rain another drop. I really believed that my mom must have had a direct line to God. I want this boy to know don't mess with me, okay? You know, the funny thing, I'll, I'll throw my dad into this picture. My dad, as I said, worked nights and didn't go to church with us. He knew the Lord. And when my brother and I left home, my dad started going to church. And we kidded with my dad saying, oh, now you're thankful to God that we're out of your house and you're going to go praise him. But actually, he retired at that point and could go to church. Praise God for all parents that take their kids to church, to be part of the body of Christ, to fellowship with other children, and to fellowship with like-minded parents. The gospel narrative presents many insights to Christ's valuation of women, emphasizing high regard to them as essential members of God's kingdom. 
I'm just going to give you some scripture references. If you don't have time to write them down, shoot me an email and I'll tell you where all these are. But he understood their concerns as told in the second chapter of John, verses 1 through 9. He met their deepest needs in the fourth chapter of John. He healed them in Luke 4, 38 and 39. He raised the dead as recorded in the 11th chapter of John. He forgave and restored to meaningful existence women during in Luke 7, 11 through 15, and also in John 8, 3 through 11. He defended and affirmed their acts of service. In Matthew 26, beginning in verse 6, Jesus saying in part of the woman that anointed him, I tell you the truth, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And he instructed them in Luke 10, 39. On the road to his crucifixion, Christ addressed the women of Jerusalem in the final words to the crowds. Then on the cross, undergoing deep agony, he entrusted his mother to the care of his beloved disciple, John. Following his resurrection from the dead, the first person to whom Jesus himself showed, as I said earlier, was Mary Magdalene, a woman who he had freed from bondage. As we continue this month focusing, this month and part of next month, focusing on family, let me remind everyone that living for Christ in the home is not easy. It's far easier to live excellent life among friends when we're putting on our best and we put that facade up as to who we want people to think we are and we really find it important of what people think about us. Know this, your own family knows whether Christ lives in you and whether Christ lives through you. In other words, families so often can see through a temporary facade that you put up. If you're a true follower of Christ, you will never give, you will never at home show up bad temper, impatience, fault-finding, sarcasm, unkindness, suspicion, selfishness, or laziness. That's hard to do because we are self-centered at times, impatient at times, unforgiving at times, but know that God is a gracious God, that when we take responsibility for what we said and what we've done, he can forgive us. Be the person that forgives others. You say, you reveal through your daily life the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and all those other virtues, virtues that are around the true follower. Not only does your family see the real you, but also those that you encounter, maybe just very briefly, may see the real you. It's how you live your life from day to day and decisions and choices you make each and every day. So rely on him and pray to him and be obedient to him. Lorena. Paul wrote in the Galatians 3.28 these words, There is neither Jew nor Greek, not a nationality or a race, slave or free, regardless of status, male or female, regardless of gender. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. While we may struggle with the roles in home and even at church in the eyes of God, men and women 
are his creation. Let us not forget that.